this feminine voice needs to come up in men and women. That leads me to the way I most constructively and effectively use the term goddess. For me, I love the archetypes, which Carl Jung gave us. The archetypes are these images in the human psyche that exert a powerful influence on the nature of an individual personality and in turn on the larger culture. And there are many, many, many archetypes and we all have them. And it's beyond gender, you know, men, women, all genders have the, have these archetypes. When you look at it in terms of the archetypes, some of them inside of us are very, they're in bold relief. We know them very well. The term God and the masculine pronouns for the divine, whether you practice religion or not, whether you're atheist or you're entirely you know, spiritual, however you practice it, you live in a world where that is a very well-solidified pronoun and archetype, the archetype of the God. And, you know, the hero and the masculine journey, these we know very, very well. And it's wonderful. There's, it's all good. What we need is the feminine piece of it. Mm-hmm. And men and women need it because we're all, and all genders need it because we're all, you know, all of it. We're, we're, we're masculine, we're feminine, we're all of it. We're a beautiful blend of all of it. So it's energizing the feminine pronouns for our internal balance to begin with and our internal healing. Because all of us, men, women, all genders, have to heal that feminine and bring her out stronger. Welcome to the Revelation Project Podcast. I'm Monica Rogers, and this podcast is intended to disrupt the trance of unworthiness and to guide women to remember and reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. This interview, I'm so excited. I'm so, so excited. This episode is positively filled with wisdom and beauty. And of course, on one of my favorite subjects, the goddess and healing through feminine archetypes. I'm calling this episode Goddess Calling because I truly believe that the goddess is calling all of us. And You know, if that word makes you cringe, please listen on because there's a reason it makes you cringe. So I I can't wait to introduce you to Dale Allen. And here's a little bio. Listening to Dale Allen is like listening to a master storyteller at work. She was honored to present the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women, her one-woman show, In Our Right Minds guiding women to their strength as leaders, leading men to strength without armor. She was invited by the vice president of the commission to return the following year for an encore. She has brought her talents to scores of audiences at universities, theaters, expos, and workshops across the U.S. and Canada and from Kauai to Dubai. She's described as having the energy of a Cape Canaveral liftoff, and she thoroughly engages and inspires her audience, which ranges from highly educated corporate leaders to teenage girls seeking their place in the world. Dale Allen is a veteran of corporate commercial communications. Her extensive resume includes hundreds of voiceover, on-camera, and live presentation projects. Some of the most quality-conscious companies, such as BMW, Canon, and MasterCard, among others, have chosen Dale to represent their brands. Her energy and enthusiasm, sincerity and strength infuse her presentations and impact her audience. Welcome, Dale. Hello. Hi, Monica. It's so good to be here. Thank you. Oh, it's great to meet you. I have heard so many amazing things about you. And of course, I'm going to start this a little bit differently. And I would love for you to tell our listeners anything you feel they need to know about you as we embark on this, what will be an amazing conversation. Well, then I will start with the bridge that brought us together which was when you discovered Girl God Books, and I was asked years ago to contribute the following prayer, which I wrote as part of my one-woman show, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But I'm going to open with this prayer, and it goes thusly. Our Mother, who art within us, each breath brings us to you. 
Thy wisdom come, thy will be done as we honor your presence within us. Each day you give us all that we need. Your abundance calls us to give and receive all that is loving and pleasurable. You are the courage that moves us to be true to ourselves, and we act with grace and power. We relax into your cycles of birth, growth, death, renewal. Out of the womb, the darkness, the void comes new life. For you are the mother of all things. Your body is the sacred earth and our bodies. Your love nurtures and unites us all, now and forevermore. Amen. Mm. That prayer comes from a piece of work that I did, and the piece of work was born out of my own personal journey that I found so transformative that I needed to share it with others. I simply had to. And here's the transformation, which is perfectly in alignment with your mission, Monica. What is revealed can then be healed. There was a time in my life, I've always been a a can-do kind of a girl. And if I remember when I was really little, I was a can-do kind of a girl. (laughs) And I remember when uh, we all go through sort of the process often as a can-do kind of a girl, where there'll be some part in life where we recede a little bit and maybe even a lot, maybe even almost completely, because to be a can-do kind of a girl is a lot of energy and maybe it's not quite accepted. So there's that time when perhaps we recede a little bit. I couldn't ever recede completely, but I remember I was setting my goals and I was achieving them and I was traveling back and forth to LA at the time. That was part of my my, my goals and my ambitions. And uh, a, a series of events happened that were for me a fall. For me, it was a dark night of the soul. Now, Everybody at some point or another has that moment where the journey we're on just isn't going where we thought it was going to be, or something disruptive happens. It could be a health matter of ourselves or a loved one, a death. It could be, you know, just something that we thought was coming through doesn't come through. The details are important and and also in a sense. It's important to remember that everybody's fall is everybody's fall. It's never a comparative thing because whatever it is that gets you to the place of emptiness and of not knowing, that's where the gold is. That's where the gem is. So I was in that one of these points in my life and everything that I had been sort of operating on in my internal software to get me where I need to go just fell like the scaffolding, like it just all came down. Now, In that moment, this is, I think, the most amazing thing or where there's somehow this wisdom came in that said, don't fill in the void. Mm. Don't do it. Don't go right into plan B, C, D. Just stop. And it was so empty and so quiet. And I remember pulling my energy field in, which can be very large for all of us. And I pulled it in real tight about this far. And I just witnessed my own life. In that void, in that emptiness, in that not knowing, in that what to do next, I have no idea and I don't need to. In that quiet, I started to hear uh, an an internal voice, Mm -hmm. like we all do, right? That, That internal kind of knowing that starts. This was such a whisper and it was a feminine voice. That was different. It uniquely wanted to be known as a feminine voice. I was like, well, that, that's different. That's, that's different. But I was just listening to the whisper. And at the time, the word goddess started crossing my path. And I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like the word. I thought it was completely unnecessary. I can relate. And I also felt that it's, it's smacked of a kind of an energy for me, probably based on the time that I was born or things, you know, circumstances. It, it, felt, um, it felt unnecessary and it felt like uh, coming out of some angry feminism. And believe me, there's a place for angry feminism. Trust me, there is. But it was also that I, I, it, I, I was resisting the word. Then I thought, you know, Dale, you are walking around in a female body. And you're resisting the word goddess a lot. Maybe you should turn around and go straight to it. So I did. 
And I went so deeply. I mean, I studied. It was as if I went back to school to get a PhD, but the PhD happened in the middle of the night in my own living room with reams of books and I would search to get them. Okay, so this is pre-internet, but I could find these amazing voices, archaeologists and and anthropologists and uh, sociologists, psychiatrists, psychologists, historians. I read myth, history, art, artifacts, everything. I dove so deeply into this thing called goddess that I found that journey to be amazingly transformative, and I had to share it. So I wrote a play. Oh, this is important. I have to tell you this. No, it is important. When you don't know what you're, what you're supposed to do, relax your mind and go back to, if you can, the last time you were a can-do girl, the last time you can remember the littlest thing. It's might, it might be that one summer, that one year in your life. It could be one fleeting moment, but in that moment, you knew that you counted, that you mattered, that the whole summer was ahead of you, that you had some kind of talent, that something just plain brought you joy and you wanted to do more of it. You know, that freedom. Some of us have lots of experiences of that. Some of us have one moment, but it's there. And it's that girl, that can-do girl, that which is this maiden that just says, yes, I can. When you you find that, for me, it was I I got this inkling to write a play. Now, that came from my 11-year-old self. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a play. And the minute I said, well, now, if I'm going to write a play, what kind of play should it be? And, and, and how can I market it? And how can I? I said, what are no, my no, goals? don't do it. Right? <laughs> what are my goals? I said, no, just write it like you're 11. Just write it for yourself. I'll bring this all around full circle. So I wrote a play for myself like an 11-year-old. I wrote songs. I wrote comedy. I brought in all this history and myth and all this studying. And I brought all this to it. And I put on this play about the goddess. It was called Dancers of the Dawn. Of course, just before it opened, I was terrified. I was like, what am I doing? This was a really bad idea. (laughs) This was bad. I am going to put myself out there with a goddess play. It's too late. Theater was booked. Women were ready. Cast of seven women, different ages, shapes, sizes, and colors. We opened that play. And that was when I saw that the message was needed in a huge way because the response to the material was so strong. I felt privileged to present the material in a way that worked, but it's the material itself that was so healing. And that's what opened up this whole goddess journey for me. I have such chills right now because so much of what, you know, you're describing is even, even the visceral reaction to the word goddess, right? That there was something that felt so unnecessary. So like I, for me, and I, I want to just bring this up because I, it's something I've spoken about before. There was definitely like this internal misogyny too that was very unconscious and i had mentioned to you earlier that when the goddess was brought up in like how late in my life it was in my 40s like i had heard it almost the same way i had heard the the word unicorn so and to actually understand just like you to start unpacking and understanding that the world had been built around me to really at the complete absence of the divine feminine, to really realize that as we start to dig in, we realize that everything is kind of this sexed pair. So if there's a God, where was goddess? Yes, exactly. And to your point, we don't realize how powerful the word is or how powerful the sacred feminine is and how much we're missing it until we begin using the words actually, because The fact that the word goddess is so uncomfortable indicates that something else is far more deeply entrenched. So that's why I took the prayer at the beginning that I opened up with, which is very familiar to people who practice certain uh, forms of Christianity, which I was raised in. But any of the world's prayers that have this long tradition that have been prayed to God using the masculine pronouns, when you start substituting the female pronouns, it feels really strange. Mm -hmm. But by doing it, by using these feminine pronouns, by just putting them out there, it helps to dislodge the deeply embedded masculine foundation that you didn't even know was there. Right. I mean, before this journey for me, 
it's all spirit for me. Quite frankly, it still is. In my in my most comfortable orientation, I'm before the beginning and after it's all complete, really. So it's beyond gender. But here in this realm and with these bodies that we're walking around with and with this collective unconscious that we're born into, there is an absolute imbalance. This feminine voice needs to come up in men and women. That leads me to the way I most constructively and effectively use the term goddess. For me, I love the archetypes, which Carl Jung gave us. The archetypes are these images in the human psyche that exert a powerful influence on the nature of an individual personality and in turn on the larger culture. And there are many, many, many archetypes and we all have them and it's beyond gender. You know, men, women, all genders have the, have these archetypes. When you look at it in terms of the archetypes, some of them inside of us are very, they're in bold relief. We know them very well. The term God and the masculine pronouns for the divine, whether you practice religion or not, whether you're atheist or you're entirely spiritual, however you practice it, you live in a world where that is a very well-solidified pronoun and archetype, the archetype of the God. And, you know, the hero and the masculine journey, these we know very, very well. And it's wonderful. There's, it's all good. What we need is the feminine piece of it. Mm-hmm. And men and women need it because we're all, and all genders need it because we're all, you know, all of it. We're, we're, we're masculine, we're feminine, we're all of it. We're a beautiful blend of all of it. So it's energizing the feminine pronouns for our internal balance to begin with and our internal healing. Because all of us, men, women, all genders have to heal that feminine and bring her out stronger, especially women. Now, and especially now. Yes. Yeah, especially now. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, the the reflection, right? I love how you said about going in first, because how I think we really take in the world and how we mirror in our own healing work, I think what we're able to do is see how top-heavy we are in these masculine energies. And as we start to bring in these feminine energies, and we start to to have more of this balance and understand that these energies are supposed to play together, they're supposed to flow together, they're supposed to dance together, they're supposed to create together, that that actually is what also, so as within, so without, right, creates that new world that gets born on the outside so that we can now see and experience our true power. And this is what I get so excited about because, of course, if we also think about Mother Earth, she needs our, our us to heal from the inside out so that she can do the same. Yes, that's right. And understanding, that's funny how this is coming to mind now. Somebody uh, was talking about their favorite book being the the Giving Tree, and it's not my favorite I book. I hate it's a, that <laughs> yes, book. Poor, so, so the Giving Tree is like Mother Earth. <laughs> you just destroy her. I'm like, and, and so what? At the end, she's a stump. She has nothing stump. left. Right. Uh, and in a sense, okay, I get the I get the beauty of the ever present. You know, life wants to live, and the goddess is ever you know ever nurturing, but. We want to honor. <laughs> we want to honor the tree of life and and honor its cycles and and love and nourish the the tree of life. And indeed, looking at the earth not as a you know something to constantly harvest from, but knowing that you know we are made of the earth. We are of the earth. And you know, as I said in my prayer, our, our bodies are your body is the sacred earth, and our bodies. You know, this is. This is what we're made of, and loving ourselves helps us to love the earth, and loving the earth helps us to love ourselves, and we certainly need that at this time on the planet. We sure do. We sure do. And Dale, I'm so curious. I would love to hear more. You know, so I don't want to make an assumption because we both were like, especially women, especially now. So I want to I wanna get curious about that. What is that for you? especially women, especially now, is that the beauty of it is, is in order to assist humankind and, and all genders to, to begin to empower this, this feminine voice, we as incarnate women in these bodies have a tremendous opportunity at this time to 
share that voice, be that voice, love ourselves in our power, in our strength, in our vulnerability, in our empathy, in our caring, in our birthing, in our nurturing, in the cycles of birth, growth, death, renewal, we can be the voice of this energy in a way that uh, is unprecedented in many ways because we're able to find each other. Now Now it's even technology. You and I are meeting right now on a Zoom, and this will go out on a podcast. We have the ability through technology to share, to talk, to take the image and the voice of the goddess and really get that frequency out around the globe. You know, one of the things about the establishment of the more masculine aspects of the divine are that it was a process, an evolution. There's no good guys, there's no bad guys. I mean, I like, I certainly look at it that way. You know, we all come into this earth game to play our part, but that's right. There was initially an understanding. Merlin Stone writes, in the beginning, people prayed to the creatress of life. At the very dawn of religion, God was a woman. And in a survey of 150 cultures, Peggy Reeve Sanday is a, an anthropologist, and she uh, studied back in the more the 70s, 80s about indigenous cultures, which are quickly vanishing, of course. But looking at these traditional cultures where there is a balance of the masculine and feminine inwardly and outwardly, and looking at where there are feminine creators, where there's a sense of this female power behind all things, there is reverence for the land, reverence for the earth. Women have uh, sacral roles in society, and there's just not this gender imbalance. So, this feels to be, seems to be, and based on archaeological digs and so forth, it appears that women had their place of honor and balance in the society. Matriarchy is not feminine power over men. So that's not what matriarchy is. Matriarchy is where there's a balance of the masculine and feminine. So this seems to be our origins. And then we come into the written word. Leonard Schlein talked about this in the alphabet versus the goddess. And I think it's a tremendous viewpoint dissertation. He did a lot of research. Where the written word comes into a society it begins to change the way the brain works because the written word utilizes the left hemisphere of the brain, which is the, quote, masculine hunter-killer side, the logical, linear, power over, hierarchical, great side of our humanity. But it becomes imbalanced, so it's too much. And we know that that's what we're dealing with right now because even as women, we're, that's, how, that's the discourse of our society. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Goals and hierarchy and individualism, and especially in uh, this society, right? In America, individualism is a very big thing. But as uh, the written word comes into a society, this imbalance happens. You know, what's really amazing is that the very first written words, the very first, you know, book story that was written was the sacred marriage of Inanna, the goddess, this earth goddess. And the, the images of her is, you know, she's, she's, she's this wonderful black fertile. She is the earth. She is the goddess and she's marrying Demuzi. And there's a great celebration. All the people are celebrating the marriage of Inanna and Demuzi. It's erotic and it's beautiful. And she says, Demuzi, come plow my fields, fill my boat with your cream. It is beautiful. So there's your first written words. Now, that's a particular energy. There is the female and the male and sacred sexuality, mm-hmm. which is the creativity that's part of all of us, men, women, all genders. But it doesn't take long at all for this evolution to happen as this new type of communication, this left brain dominated written communication begins to take hold. And very shortly after that, we have the Mesopotamian law code. And it is the women of former days took two husbands. The women of today, if they attempt to do this, must be stoned to death. So we quickly move into the proscriptions against the female. So I like to look at big scopes of history. Ninety mm-hmm. percent of our history is hunter-gatherer history, which appears to be quite balanced with the with the skills of the masculine and feminine. Different roles to the masculine and feminine. Most indigenous societies show that if a person showed up in one body form but was more comfortable with the other gender, nobody seemed to mind that they were considered 
It's allowed. That's all. That's who you are. You're special and we need you exactly as you are. So when we begin to get into this alphabetic literacy, which is quite new for humans in the big scope of things, we get into an imbalance. But here's the beauty. We're coming out of it now. Why? Because our our discourse happens not as much through the written word. It is images. It's, you know, storytelling, television and Zoom and, you know, internet and storytelling. And it's a whole different thing that's bringing forth the right hemisphere of the brain again and more balance. Oh, I love that. I love that. I had not looked at that that way before. It's really evident. And of course, so much of what you were saying as well about the indigenous cultures and really. I've even been very much following many of the indigenous people who are speaking through so many people who are digitally savvy right now and bringing that indigenous wisdom to the modern world and creating these bridges between the two. And it's a beautiful thing. I know that, you know, again, with great power comes great responsibility, as we've seen with technology. If it's, you know, used for the forces of evil, then it's that. But if it's used for the forces of good and communication and really integrating these energies, I'm seeing a tremendous value and I'm seeing like a tipping point, like eminent tipping point happening. And I'm so hopeful that it happens in this lifetime for me. I am, uh, I'm, I'm, Truly, truly with you. And uh, you do bring up a very good point to where Indigenous people can now speak through through the internet. Anything that is created by humans, to your point, can be used for light or dark, high frequency or low frequency, something that brings joy versus, you know, or something that brings pain. I mean, if, if, if we've created it, it's going to have both of those elements. Both of those elements. So, Dale, where do you want to take this conversation? Because you're I trust fully in your art form here, and I love what you've already shared with us. So what? Just keep going. So, you know, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll uh, go almost go out on, well, I was going to say go out on a limb, but I don't think so anymore because people are just very, very, uh, the frequency is getting higher and higher and higher. Uh, you were, we were talking about, so why women and, and why now? And you feel like we're coming up to a, a tipping point. I do too. And I have felt that way for a long time. And the, the visual, the visualization for me always came up as two, two waves that are coming toward each other. You, in the most simplest of terms, could call it, you know, negative and positive, the love, hate, dark light, and just they're coming together, these two waves. Now, for me, on the farthest point, out before the beginning and after all is complete there is creation that begins it begins it all so creation brings it begins it all and brings us the the universe and all of the galaxies and all of the planets and this planet earth and humans emerge and humans have an opportunity to to choose through free will how they're going to create reality. The experience of humans not knowing or understanding that that all is one, the experience of separation. Mm -hmm. The experience of separation is certainly something that is giving us an opportunity to, quote, go back home. Mm -hmm. So, the one creator of all things, the, the energy behind all things, to decide to have an experience since the that which created us is us. We are that thing that we call God. It wanted to have an experience of separation. Apparently, it's important. Apparently, it's, it needed to happen. And in this, we're all also coming back, back to this realization, back home, back to this understanding of being one, an understanding of oneness. And I also believe that we are at a, a tipping point where there's a, there's a level of awakening that's happening on a very grand scale and right on time. Time, right on time. And and that everything is conspiring to make it happen. That yes. you can even feel, you know, in all of the events that have happened in the world, that it's all happening for us. Like I'm really feeling that energy of like for us, not to us. Oh, I completely agree with that. Everything that's happening around us is something that we are participating in. It, as you say, it's not coming, you know, at us 
But indeed, we are witnessing the entire universe conspiring to this great level of awakening and awareness. And a revelation. (laughs) And revelation, exactly. And we also have an opportunity, again, because of our ability to communicate, to get this message out to places where it hasn't quite gotten yet. So, it's important. Every listener Wherever you have found inside of yourself this peace and this balance and a sense of self-love, you are automatically sharing that because that is now your frequency, in which case you help others just by being around them. You are that. If you are peace, if you are loving yourself, if you are accepting yourself, whether you are a planter, a bus driver, a teacher, a singer, a mega you know, television, voice, whatever it is that you are, you are part of raising the vibration around you. If you are the woman who is making the breakfast for the babies, you know, you are changing the world because you are that frequency. It's all relative and it's all important and it all matters. So whatever it is that you're doing, it's, it's, if you find that healing within, you're you're helping everybody around you. I love that so much. I recently, I shared this before on the podcast, but I recently had the the honor to talk to William Urey, who is often sent into very hostile territories to negotiate peace. And it was, of course, a conversation with all women, and it was about women. And the moderator asked him, uh, what do you want women to know right now about their role in the world? And he said, simply by them showing up at the table, they don't have to know anymore. They don't have to do anything. Their presence alone shifts the frequency in the room. That is a very true statement. Being a Renaissance woman, I also work in infrastructure and finance. As much as I, you know, talk about being before the beginning and after all is complete (laughs) and returning here to witness it, knowing that victory has already happened in a sense, everybody has already come home, but it's really fun to be here witnessing it at the same time. And I work in business and infrastructure and I work with governments and I work with uh, large scale projects. And I can tell you that that's a very true statement at that level coming to the table, in this case, the conference table or the conference Zoom it makes an enormous difference to have women there. I know it, I know it does. Mm-hmm. It helps to change the vibration. It helps to bring balance. It helps things to move in a direction that they might not otherwise have, have moved in. And I'm privileged to work with uh, several men that are my, my team members that are very you know, pro-women uh, and women's participation, which goes a long way. Oh, yeah. I mean, the allyship is a beautiful thing. And to have men who are awakened and know the value, right, of our voices and our energetic presence and to welcome it and to embrace it is, you know, and I'm finding more and more men who are, you know, awake in that way. And it's it's a wonderful thing because I think, again, if we're to look at the entire system and recognize that the system itself is not working for for any gender, any human, that that this really is about a breakdown of all that does not serve. And and I think that there are those who are, you know, you had talked before about kind of that separation, right? Or that dismemberment. And I always talk about that remembering. But when we're in that dismemberment, it's like fear, that fear separates us. Fear makes us forget that we're both human and divine. Fear makes us forget about love. Fear makes us forget to breathe, which is the spirit as we animate our own spirit. So when we forget, again, when we dismember, we're, we don't have access to, to any of that. So it's really interesting when we start to just talk about all of what's available to us if we kind of 
start to get curious, right, about what am I missing or what's missing in this space right now? And I always talk about women paying attention to their body first, because I think so much of the remembering has to happen through the embodiment process. And I often talk about the fact that so many women aren't yet in their bodies or not completely in their bodies or not trusting their bodies. And yet that's where they need to be in order to really hear their body's wisdom. And as you pointed out before, that's when that really quiet feminine voice voice starts to speak. You are absolutely right. Uh, Women have been talked out of trusting their, and and so many men as well, but trusting their inner knowing, you know, a gut response. uh, How do I actually feel about it? Learning how to talk about your feelings, understand your feelings, understand just simply what feels good and what doesn't, and, and staying with that. You know, don't go out of the head to try to up to the head to try to figure it all out. But you know, stay with that and trust it and know it and trusting the, uh, you know, trusting the body, trusting the journey. You know, which also brings me back around to archetypes. So, in terms of you know, trusting the body and trusting body wisdom and trusting that you know what feels good to you and you know what doesn't, and just you know, setting up healthy boundaries where you need to going more boldly towards or more willingly towards the things that you do love and you do want and having this this sense of um, uh, body wisdom. In looking at this goddess archetype, and I want to bring this around full circle, there are three forms of the goddess that are most often talked about, which is maiden, mother, and crone. The maiden, because we were just talking about body wisdom, when you were little, before you got talked out about, talked out of it, you knew what you like, you know what you don't like. I like this, I don't like that. No, yes, it's much more of a sense of, of you're in your body, it's new, and you're clearer about, you know, what feels good and what doesn't. And that slowly gets layered over in society because we're pretty much asked to layer over. Uh, this is acceptable. That's not acceptable. Whether you like it or not, you're going to go in this direction. There's a lot of you know women and men who have experienced you know boundary transgressions, you know a- abuses that keep us from being able to further trust our own innate knowing because the the boundaries were transgressed. We then come to a point in our lives, which is right now for all of us. Why women? Why now? Whatever was the was the wounding, and we are all wounded if you were born to humans, they had flaws because they're human. And if you were born to humans, at some point you have been wounded. If you became a human, you have been wounded. Everybody has. And again, it doesn't the, the details matter, and they also, in a sense, don't because because it's the wounding that we are responsible to to heal. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the work now, healing the wounding so that we can be free to create what we want, express what we want, love how we want, to be in peace with ourselves, which then brings peace to the world. So we have the maiden, and I don't imagine that there are actually any little girls listening right now. What we go forward to is then we go into what's called the, the mother archetype. You don't have to have children to to experience and be the mother archetype, because that is the creator, the nurturer. We are all nurturing something in some way or another, you know, that which we love. And she, she's the creator. She is the, you know, the goddess herself. I mean, she's the, the, the creator of all things around her. You know, she's the, she's the, the mother and the mother of all things in her highest spiritual form. So there's the mother. Then there is the wise woman or crone. Somewhere in our listenership here, we're probably talking to women in their years of what would be the mother years or the crone years. But here's the important part of this. The archetypes, maiden, mother, and crone, exist in us since the day we were born. So doesn't wherever you are in your journey chronologically, inside of you, the maiden is there. The, the girl is there, the girl who knows who she is and knows what she wants and knows what she likes and knows what her favorite is and what her favorite color is and her favorite, you know, she knows all those things. She's there. As is the, the mother of all things, you know, alive and sensual and sexual and creating and, 
you know, the giver and she's just this wonderful creatress of life through her love, the mother. And then there's the crone, the wise woman. Mm. And she is the one who gets it. She knows that it's constantly that life is a series of you you put it out there, you nurture it, and then it, it's birth, growth, death, renewal. She knows that life is a series of deaths. You know, when we first are going through these experiences of deaths, we're going, what happened? It, it, it's, it's painful until you realize that it's a constant thing that happens in life. And you begin to trust that when something dies or life the way you knew it ends, that it's a very fertile time when something new shall be birthed because the crone holds the seed of the maiden. Mm. So it's a full circle. If you happen to be chronologically in your crone years and all women, including little girls, need to know that the crone, these are powerful times. Inside the crone is this maiden and this mother that can continue to create, 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 and she creates with wisdom because she knows that everybody's going through this birth, growth, death, renewal. She's less worried about this constant cycle of birth, growth, death, renewal. There's the wisdom to be able to stand back and see it and know it and trust it and trust life and keep on creating a fresh and anew as this crone woman. Beautiful, Dale. I love how you just described that. I remember what a revelation it was to me that I had been present to nature my whole life, but yet had not made the connection right? of like, the, the universe is constantly mirroring this to us. All of the clues to the universal laws are right here all the time. But again, it's like what you said, it's not until we really take this journey. And I want to also kind of go back to what you were talking about with Inyana, Yes. Inanna and her journey, because it wasn't so much of that part of the journey about a descent. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, Inanna is, uh, she is, she's of the earth. So she's very much about, you know, the process of birth, growth, death, renewal, and, you know, reemergence. And, and the, the worldview, as we look at our foremothers and forefathers, it's just so much more holistic. It's not linear. Again, linear is left brain. So linear becomes the, the reality more with the written word. And that's, again, very recent in the full scope of human history, beginning, middle, end. And I believe that on a deep level, most of us have this linear view of our lives. Born, life, death. You know, it's like I'm I'm here on my journey tour, and then it will end. It's it's very linear. Right. No magic. Whereas the exact the exact with a shift towards right across the corpus callosum to your right hemisphere, your right hemisphere is completely in this present moment. And in the present moment is all things. It's birth, growth, death, renewal. It's this constant cycling of what's happening in the present moment. And the atoms are changing form and energy is constantly changing form. That's the, the truth of it. You, the truth of it. You cannot, energy cannot die. It just changes form. Your right hemisphere knows that. Your right hemisphere sees that. Your right hemisphere gets it. Our left hemispheres have us just so detached in so many ways, looking at things logical, linear, you know, the sunrise, the day, the day, beginning, middle, end, end of the day, the next day, the, the week, the month, the year, the chapter, the life. And it and what a what a freedom it is to return to a holistic, timeless perspective that is just as accurate and available just across the corpus callosum. And so this is the piece I want to kind of weave in here. And you'll have to, I'm kind of thinking this out loud, but you know, when I think about what you were just sharing with us, 
I think about my journey and that going back to that wounding, that fracturing, and that descent, really, that quieting, that, and you even shared for yourself, right? It was like, there was a small voice inside you that said, like, don't carry on business as usual. Don't fix it. In my world, it was actually like, let everything fall apart. Stop fixing everything. And as women, we're of course taught that any mess in our vicinity must house somehow reflect poorly upon us. And so we're so busy sometimes cleaning everything up and making everything look pretty that what the world needs now sometimes is for us to just allow ourselves to fall apart because it's in the falling apart that we remember who we really are. And it's so hard to trust ourselves that we've got this, but it's only by letting go when we stop holding on to life so tightly, so linearly, that we start into this descent. And when I think of the the archetype of Inanna, what I think about is her descent into the underworld. And I think it was Maureen Murdoch that wrote in The Heroine's Journey, a beautiful descent. And I've actually created a meditation around it that I'll share with everybody. But it's... um. In that one, there was, it, it really, really struck me as what I experienced, but I didn't know at the time that there was an archetype that I could look at and be like, oh my gosh, this is what's happening to me. And I think it's also true, Dale, that there are so many women out there that because our stories and our mythologies and our deities have been omitted, that we don't feel like we have access to a model for what this can look like in all of its various forms. You, you are absolutely right. Uh, we don't have the models. We don't have, they, they aren't ubiquitous around us. We are helping to bring them back. And there's a yearning like little birds in the nest. Feed People me. are hungry yes. for it. Women are hungry for it. It's needed. So bringing back to, to life these, these models and understanding that you know it doesn't always all have to look perfect and that we don't always have to be, you know, highly functioning and cleaning up and making things, you know, perfect and having our goals and achieving them. And it just sees it's all in the head. I can feel it, even just talking that way. <laughs> right. It is so true that stopping the sort of, you know, lateral existence and just going deep. One of the great things is that in your world, having other women to just be with sit with and really share from a deep level. I facilitate many women's groups and it's making that space for deep dialogue, deep sharing. It doesn't take much if you open up sacred space to give a woman, to give yourself a chance to begin speaking. And sometimes the words that, well, actually most of the time, the words that come out surprise the person speaking them mm-hmm. because the space Space is there to be heard. We nurture each other this way by this kind of sacred listening. We don't comment. We don't jump in. We just listen and breathe with a woman. And this will, you know, this inner self comes out. Yes, indeed, meditation is important. You know, walks alone in nature are important. All of that is important for for insight and for tuning in and for really getting in touch with our ourselves and these larger universal forces conspiring to our goodness with every breath. But also circling, you know, make an effort. If you're listening to this podcast, it's indicative of how you recognize the value of getting messaging that puts you in alignment. And in your circles of women, it doesn't take many, but just that deep sharing with each other. Just listen to a woman and let whatever's coming out, come out. Sacred space doesn't go anywhere else, but wow, can we help each other that way? Wow, can we? And I often talk about these sacred circles and we're not taught how to not fix each other. And so again, I love what you were just pointing to. It's about that witnessing. It's just about listening and allowing us to express what's there and starting to just celebrate what's there, no matter what's there, whether it's a breakdown or a breakthrough. Exactly. Whether it's a breakdown or a breakthrough, or whether it's that, you know, one of the other rules too in, in such a in such a sharing is, you know, grab a box of Kleenex and whoever is letting those tears come out, then go through half the box. But 
uh, let the tears come. You know, one of the things is that once a person starts to really feel, they often will get shut down because we have to make it better. Oh, no, no, it's okay just to feel better. No, 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 no. Go with it. Go with whatever is coming and let it come because it's cleansing and it's purging and it's insightful and it gets you to the core of whatever it is that wants to be seen in you. And to be witnessed in that is also very important. So you don't want to shut somebody down when they're starting to feel whatever it is that they're they're feeling. I can't tell you how many complete breakdown moments I've had. And I used to call them ugly cries. And now I call them beauty cries. Because a woman who is completely allowing herself to be witnessed in a breakdown is remarkably beautiful. I completely, completely agree. And it is really such a center to my life are these kinds of connection. And I am, I'm, I'm honored that really that's kind of the only kind of discourse I have with the people that are closest to me. It just is, of course, we laugh and have fun too, but that's, it's that kind of real essential core connection that goes, that goes so far. You know, I'm somebody that tears, you know, come out of my eyes quite a bit in terms of sometimes I just get so overwhelmed with the ineffable beauty of something, right? So I was sitting in a lecture with a woman, a Julia, Julie Gerland. She does work understanding the messages coming from babies before they're born. Oh. Right. And understanding this incredible level of communication with this, with this being. So beginning to look at what's happening, you know, before we're born and how to really, really uh, feel and optimize that experience that we all, you know, go through. And so while she was speaking, it was so incredibly beautiful that I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, here I go again. And like all these tears come out because it's so beautiful what she's saying. It's just so beautiful. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, nobody else is, you know, crying and I'm looking down. So the tears just fall on my lap. And when I watched them fall, I was like, okay, Dale, this is so much a part of who you are. Those tears you are manufacturing because your heart is so full, mm. because you are so completely in alignment with something so ineffably beautiful that these tears are coming through. And that's when I realized they're holy water. Uh. Women's tears are holy water. Tears need to be cried. They help to cleanse us in order for us to get our energy back sometimes, right? Uh, sometimes we need to just get to that place so that we can breathe deeply again and become energized. There are things happening in this world that need to be cried about. It's not okay what happens to in so many ways in this world. I can't even go there right now, but mm -hmm. there are things that need to be cried about because they get us where we can be informed as to how we might assist in helping the world. And as I said before, it might be as simple as peacefully making the breakfast for the babies. That changes the world. That's right. And it might be the, you know, crying the tears about what happens to abuse to children then motivates another woman whose calling and whose gift is to be, you know, an advocate or to work or to, you know, volunteer one-on-one, -on -one, whatever it is. Whatever it is. The tears need to be cried. So love your Kleenex, love your crying, and let it through because it's truthful, it's body wisdom. It's holy water, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it will help you to breathe into your next whatever. And I want to add that often I use the word dare, because in this world, it's like to dare to feel, to dare to dream, to dare to shine. All of these things are so powerful and so important, and they're our birthright. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are. Yes, they are indeed. And the more that the more that we are that, the more that we are dare is a big word for me. It always has been. the The more that we are that for ourselves, where we feel in alignment with ourselves, and therefore the actions that come out of us are more in alignment with ourselves, we automatically help other people to get in touch with their own birthright. Mm, yes, we model it. It just you you can't help but not do that. Uh, interestingly enough, too, as we free ourselves from whatever generational wounding patterns we chose to come into, 
Um, I, lo- I can see her face. You guys can't see her face, but she literally like stopped in midair and then said chose. Yeah. Yeah. Chose to come into as we heal them within ourselves, as we make space for them and bring the reveal to them and bring the, the light of understanding to them. It goes back through generations because it's a vibration shift and time has collapsed in on itself anyway. It's all happening at the same time anyway. So as we create this new vibration in ourselves that has compassion for where we are wounded, that makes space to heal where we are wounded, it automatically goes forward and backward through generations, but it begins to to heal everybody that ever vibrated at that pattern. It's that powerful because it really is all energy. It's that powerful. It really is. And to that to that point, I have literally experienced that with my own family that I would often say like they triggered me, right? But when I did my healing work, suddenly they showed up differently. There's a way that when we do our work, things start to resolve themselves. Now, not everything, obviously, but there has been so much talk and what I truly believe, which is that our generations, right? When we think about all of the women before me who have lost their voice or been persecuted for being who they are, or it's like, I get a chance and we all share that DNA to heal that for all of us. And that might either feel like a huge burden or a huge opportunity. Again, it's whatever I choose to make it. But I have loved this conversation so much, Dale, and I wanted to ask you, how would you like to direct our listeners? Obviously, you had shared about the women's circles that you offer. And of course, you can talk a little bit more about that. But I'd love to know, too, where you would direct women in terms of maybe start getting curious about the goddess in their life and why that might be essential homework. I do believe that it is essential homework, and it's amazing how simple it can be, which begins with, again, talking, sharing. Uh, I believe that images are very, 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 very powerful, and they're becoming easier to find. You know that a very simple search on you know on your internet google whatever uh for images goddess images just start looking and you know behind well you can't see i, I have can. all of these statues I, yeah, I, right, they right. can't but see, the audience but can't i was gonna tell them i can see willendorf to yeah who else is yes back I, there? I have a whole bunch of them i've got the goddess of thrace i've got isis I, i've got the nile goddess i've got you know, tons of goddesses because i toured across the u.s into canada i went from Kauai to dubai with my one woman show i went twice to the united nations commission on the status of women sharing this archetype of the goddess and always behind me were these big images of the goddess that were that were being you know shown to the audience because when you first see for example willendorf and maybe your your audience is familiar with her, but she's very round. She has these enormous breasts hanging down and this wonderful belly, and her hands are just resting on the top of her on the top of her breasts, and she's very peaceful. And she is this creator, this this mother of all things, and this beautiful roundness. And of course, I remember when I first saw that statue. You know, it, it's. Uh, that image, you know, there was all of the lenses that we have in front of us about how the female body is supposed to look. Well, you know what? She comes in many forms and she's exquisitely beautiful. And she is, you know, she's short, she's tall, she's round, she's thin, she's all of these things. And and it's beginning to train the eye for the exquisite beauty that, you know, we all come in. And I'm starting to see this excites me. I took my daughter to the mall yesterday. I'm not a shopper. I don't like it, but she's in town. And we went, we needed to get some things. And we were both so happy because in so many of the stores, the pictures of the models, oh, there were all shades of of women and older women and younger women and bigger women and smaller women. And I was, it was such a beautiful breakthrough. My daughter and I both noticed it and we were really pleased about that. So I think that there's a lot of resources. You asked, where would I direct women? There's a lot out there. I mean, you know, st- stick with Monica. My uh, 
my website is thecore.space and I have some podcasts on the on the goddess. And uh, I also, again, do workshops, some of them on Zoom, some of them live. Also, Trista Hendren's doing a beautiful job. And that's how Monica and I ultimately met. Uh, she did put my prayer in one of her books, Girl God Books. Go online, order, order some of her books, you know, continue to listen to Monica. Check out my podcasts if you like. You can take a nice journey to the crone. You can go deep beneath the snows and sit with her and find out what, you know, what happens when you sit with that ancient, wise, wise woman. So, you know, there are definitely resources out there. So, and you'll probably put that down in your notes if you would for me, please. It's the core dot space, but there's a lot out there. Just know that you count, you matter. You are this amazing embodiment of this thing that we call goddess, which is all of the universe expressing its perfection in a female form that is yours. And so we welcome you in your unique expression. You count, you matter. And that's what we welcome. I am leaving it right there. Thank you so much. My heart is full. Mine too. More to be revealed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift, subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. And as always, more to be revealed.